1: Well, good morning, everyone. It's Monday, and guess what? I have two news people today. (laughs) This is so great. Morning news update, of course, brought to you by uh, Nia Henry, agent for Appalachia Realty, and she will work hard for you if you give her a call, 740-418-4135, and uh, she'll be happy to help you out with all your real estate needs. And of course, today is Monday, which means it's news day, and we're going to talk about a
0: plethora of things. How's that? Okay, that's a, that's a safe way to do it. Pete
1: and Jeremiah. Exactly. Not the dips. It's the PJs. It's the PJs. The
2: PJs. No, <laughs> well, good morning, Jen. Good morning. Did you have a good How weekend? y'all doing? A little, little, little tired. A little tired.
1: Yeah. But so uh, you were out uh, queening around all weekend. I
2: was. Yeah, covering the uh, Wilson and Hilco, uh Queen contest. Mm-hmm. There was three. them over the weekend, but mm-hmm. we'll we'll get to that. We'll let Pete get started here.
1: Okay. So what's going on, Pete? So this is what happens when you go on vacation. You you come in all frazzled, right? Because well, you're trying to catch up.
0: It, it's hard. I feel it's hard when we're all here to try to cover everything and do what it it you want and all like that. You know, two counties and lots going on. Good stuff, bad stuff, et cetera. Sports stuff, football, all that stuff. But it's all part of what we try to do. But uh you know, as Jeremiah said, uh, he was covering some stuff over the weekend, the Queen's contest, and we're going to get to that in just a minute. But
1: mm-hmm.
0: without a doubt, the story attracting the most attention locally is about uh, an alleged hate crime, which occurred yeah. at Benton County High School, or allegedly occurred at Benton County High School.
1: I don't know that I've ever gotten so many private messages about a news story like my, like personally, mm-hmm. people saying. You know, what's going on with this?
0: Well, I can tell you this much. Uh, The father of the victim, which would be a freshman girl at Vinton County High School who is African American. um, He posted something shortly after that because he was unhappy that it occurred, Mm -hmm. angry that it occurred, I think would be Uh, accurate to say. Yeah. And then also very dissatisfied with what he felt was the immediate response at least that he was getting from school officials. Or lack thereof. Right. And in his post he uh, he you know he felt like, you know, this wasn't the first time something had happened. This was the newest thing and the worst thing. And that triggered this uh, Facebook post. And I just checked it this morning. Uh, we're in the one thousand two hundreds in shares on that. That means that many people have taken the post and they put it on their Facebook and then it's exponential after that. Oh it's because then it's on. Right. So you know how many exposures—what we call exposures—there have been. People have seen that post. Yeah. It's it's in the thousands, obviously, yeah. but 594 comments as oh, well. Oh my god! Because you know a lot of people will read, but you know they won't take the time to to yeah. necessarily throw in their two cents. But so, could uh, we
1: kind of back up and, and, in case people don't know about the event, could you could you kind of explain? Yeah, what happened? we we can
0: certainly do that. Jeremiah uh, wrote the story, but we wrote it off the information that was available um you know after you know it started swirling on social yeah. media uh T- swirling the, is in the middle in the tornado in the middle and, and late in the week yeah. but um the uh the incident happened in a restroom at Vinton County High School and this is all what the father of the victim is saying he is saying okay. that um you know his uh, his daughter a freshman at Vinton County High School who is African-American, mm-hmm. um, was uh, assaulted and uh, taunted um, because she is black. Uh, you know, it was referred to as a hate crime. Mm-hmm. You know, that was the reason that they were picking, picking on her and assaulting her and making fun of her, et cetera. And um, so... Um, what
1: century are we in? Sorry. Didn't right. mean to interrupt. It's just right. like that's what right. Right. jumped well, out th- to th- me. Th-
0: this is the, once again, this is the allegation. Uh, it was apparently taken to, you know, to the to the school officials. And Mr. Bledsoe, Eric Bledsoe, he is a, a resident of Allensville. I think his father was a Vinton County commissioner, so, you know, fairly well-known family there in Vinton County. Okay. Um, brought it to the attention of school officials. He did not receive a response immediately. And the first that he heard about it was when his daughter called him from um, the principal's office. And she was upset, of course. And I think he was very unhappy that he had to hear it from her for starters. All right.
3: Mm -hmm.
0: He has also been unhappy or dissatisfied about the response. So the response since then. Uh, Now, I do know um, that the school uh, is investigating the case. Rick Brooks, who is the superintendent of schools, put out a Facebook post announcement of his own. It was on the school website and on the school's uh, district Facebook okay. on Friday. So, you know, about three days after. And he did not specifically refer to that incident, but it was an obvious response to all the, to uh, what Mr. Bledsoe posted. And certainly right. the blowback from, sure. from that post uh, in the public. And, uh, you know, what he said was... Um, Uh, I will read it, Uh, what what Mr. Brooks said was, is the Benton County local schools and its administration take all incidents that involve students very seriously and we investigate those incidents thoroughly. Once facts are determined, discipline appropriate to the offense is issued as warranted. He added, discipline may include suspension and expulsion from school, suspension from extracurricular activities and or suspension from transportation. All students need a safe learning environment, and safety is of utmost priority for our school district and administrators. And so uh, we don't know what the school district has done, if there has been any punishment, yet there's been some comments on social media that there has been. I don't know whether that's the case or not, because, you you know, I don't know whether there's um, surveillance in bathrooms and all like that. You know, they're probably interviewing all the students that were involved Mm -hmm. in this. I do there's know, a
1: lot to investigate
0: th- there is and you know yeah. you want to be fair to, to mm-hmm. all the parties in determining what happened and what the uh, what the uh, appropriate punishment should be right um, now I do know I had this confirmed on Saturday that the Vinton County Sheriff's Office is also investigating the incident there is a school resource officer at, at some of the schools and there okay. is one I think that is pretty much at base at Vinton County High School. So I don't know whether this is a natural thing that would happen because of a school resource officer there. But regardless, the sheriff's office is investigating it, too. So you're talking about not just something disciplinary within the schools. Uh, you know, you have juveniles involved here. Remember, not Correct. A, non-adults under right. the age of 18, I'm guessing, uh, or at least some of them. And so, uh, you know, you could have something criminal, perhaps, to, uh, through juvenile through juvenile court. Very much so. So, you know, this is where, you know, the situation uh, stands right now. Um, but uh, the bottom line is, um, you know, we're talking about, uh, you know, this is the world we live in. This this wasn't an assault between students. This was an assault that involved apparently white students versus an African-American single student. And so, you know, it has been labeled uh, a hate crime. And the father did make it clear in his post that he feels and alleges that what happened was because his daughter is black. Okay. So um I would not be surprised based on what has been on social media and like this that this becomes a state, maybe even a national story. Who yeah. knows how this might agreed. Get, how this might get picked up and framed. You
1: yeah, one hundred percent. So
0: so very very unfortunate thing. Uh Certainly, all the way. Around. Yeah,
1: because some of the comments that I got personally were people sharing it to um, the you know big stations and stuff like that. So yeah,
2: right. yeah, I've been tagged in it numerous times too. And after sitting down with Pete and discussing it, mm-hmm. we decided to go ahead with an article on it. Um, I'd been reached out before. I, reportedly, this isn't the first time that um, students have bullied or picked on this particular this young individual. lady yeah okay yeah that's what we're hearing as well oh, boy. So, i'm sure the uh Benton county school board meeting coming up in september will probably be an interesting one
1: oh, red, my. Red, red will have his hands full. so <laughs> all right so uh, red know, may call in sick that day so you know this
0: this will be a continuing thing to see what the sheriff's office yeah. might do also what the school might do now you know another issue involved even though this is very much out there in the public you know, we're talking about juveniles being involved. We're talking about confidentiality. I I, I know from doing this job for a long time, normally schools don't comment on disciplinary actions against students. Sure. uh, Because they are are juveniles and because it's a confidentiality. Absolutely. And they won't, you know, they just won't do it. So the public will still want to know what did you do, what did you didn't do. This is
1: a... Glad other people get paid those big bucks and not us right. to make those decisions.
0: So anyway, that uh, once again uh, is a story we do have it posted on our website and shared okay. shared on Facebook. And of course, you know we'll see if there's any uh, additional or follow up information before so our still print work edition in progress comes out on uh, on on Wednesday. Uh, but uh, now I'm going to turn it over. To, I'll sit here in the middle between you two, <gasps> but we'll turn it Aww, over. Oh,
1: we love Pete yeah, being the rose. Okay, we'll,
0: we'll turn it over to Jeremiah because he was busy this weekend covering the three uh, 2023 Ohilco Queens Contest. Now,
2: mm-hmm.
0: we always have to remind everybody of this. This is not the royalty or the royalty candidates that will reign over this year's festival. It's for next year. You know, it, that's always before <laughs> the current 2022 festival. You know, Those I, girls have already been picked, and they have reigned really from the end of last year's festival through this year's. Yeah, festival. it's so really th- this is confusing. The two- so when we say the 2023 finalists for Junior Queen, Little Miss, and Big Queen, we're talking about next year's royalty candidates. Yes. All right. Take it away, Jeremiah.
2: All right. Thank you, Pete. So, yeah, (laughs) me and Jim was talking about this before we started. Um, It is is a little different. Um, uh, The girls that competed over the weekend, they will be crowned at the close of this year's festival. Mm -hmm. The girls that are reigning for this year's festival was crowned in 2021 at the close. And like Pete said, has reigned throughout the year. Um, When this court gets crowned on Saturday... Uh, you should see them in the parades at the Apple Festival. So
1: Yeah, so it'll be kind of like their first
2: hurrah. It'll be like yeah. their first hurrah. yeah. So um, we, there was three contests um, over the weekend, a little different this year. Uh, the Wilson and Hill Coast Society decided to open the contest up to all of Jackson and Vinton counties. Yeah, I thought
1: that was kind of interesting. That
2: was interesting. They allowed the opportunity for um, some different young ladies from the, the different uh, areas in those counties to try out. Uh, before it was just uh, Wilson City School District, yeah. So it was a smaller pool of individuals, but I did notice that they had some girls from Jackson and some girls from Benton County. I was going to ask you, like, did did they yeah, take advantage of that? There was, there okay. was some, and uh, I think some of the finalists uh, are even from Jackson and oh. or Benton County, possibly. Okay. Um, we'll go ahead and get into into those um, the little the twenty twenty three Little Miss of Hillcoat Queen contest as well as the Junior Miss Ahilco Queen Contest were both held on Saturday, August 27th. Now, the um, Little Miss Ahilco Queen Contest, it was a preliminary contest. Um, they did a top five for that. Okay. okay. And then they will have another contest at the Wellston Ahilco Festival on Thursday, September 8th at 6 p.m. to narrow the field down to a final three. So, it's a little different from the junior and the big. They actually named a top three in those other two contests. Gotcha. So, um, you're five finalists for the (laughs) Little Miss. Cute. (laughs) And uh, James is putting some of those uh, young ladies uh, from the Little Miss contest there. Um, They're doing their little interview there with... uh, That is... Jasmine Henry, she was your 2006 Little Miss Second Attendant, 2011 Junior Miss Queen, and 2015 Coal Festival Second Attendant, um, was conducted. She was your MC, cool. Master master ceremonies for the Little Miss contest. And uh, you have there on the screen that is the winners um, seated from the left. You have Sophie Smith, and then you have Drew Spraglin. Avery Ray. And then standing behind is Catherine Mannering and Kennedy Smith. And those are your top five from the Little Miss Contest. They were chosen from a pool of 11 uh, contestants this mm-hmm. year. And they will compete again, uh, like I said, at the festival on Thursday, September 8th at 6 p.m. on stage. It's narrow down to a top three. And uh, we'll move on to the Junior Miss contest uh, it was also held on Saturday August 27th at Wellston High School and they named a top three finalists the top three finalists uh, chosen you can see them seated here from the left you have Adeline Kuhn, uh, Lily Swartz, Emma Spraglin, which is a sister to Drew mm-hmm. I do believe we, I think we were talking about that before yeah. the show there and uh, these three ladies are your three finalists for the junior miss. We won't know um, like placings, like who's queen, who's first, who's mm-hmm. second attendant until the close of the festival. And then in the 2023 Miss a Hillcoat Queen contest, it was held on Sunday, August 28th at Wellston High School. And they had uh, eight young ladies compete for a spot as a finalist. The top three are shown here. You have Emily Scott, who is the 17-year-old daughter of Tanya and Jeremy Perkins. She is a senior at Buckeye Hills Career Center. There in the center excuse me, is Caitlin Bright, who is the 17-year-old daughter of Keisha Atkins. Uh, she is a senior at Wilson High School. And there on the end is, was it Kaylin? Kaylin Bowman? I think so. Kaylin Bowman who is the 17-year-old daughter of is it Roche, Rochelle Bowman and Jeremy uh, Benzel.
0: Benzel. Benzel, I'm guessing. Yes, Benzel. That's a guess.
2: Who is a, and uh, she, Ms. Bowman, is a senior Kylin at Jackson. And Kylan yep. is a senior at Jackson High School. So that was your top three from the uh, Miss Contest. But uh, it was all three contests. I felt they were pretty well attended mm-hmm. and uh we're you know the festival's coming up this year it will be okay, kicking well, off next on Wednesday, yeah, like a week from this, wednesday it'll be the 7th september 7th right pete mm-hmm. is that yeah, yeah. Next, week? Yes, is that next, it's week? next week yeah next that, week yeah it's hard to believe L- Labor we're saying Day's next week a week
1: from today oh yeah a isn't that today. crazy
2: that is crazy so this year the festival will kick off on wednesday instead of tuesday And it will run through Saturday. Um, I'll be working on a preview uh, highlighting each day of the festival along with entertainment acts for this year. Um, The Grand Marshal this year, uh, we found out this morning, is Dennis Dupree. Right, Pete? That is correct. And uh, Pete could probably talk a little more about Dennis offhand. But um, he is the Grand Marshal for the parade. Uh, Usually has a spot there for him at the uh, front of the parade. Mm -hmm. Usually do a parade on Wednesday and they also do one on Saturday. But uh, Wednesday is always kind of like the the opening day. But in the past, that Tuesday of the festival was always your like preview night, and they always had that coal miner Olympics mm-hmm. and like a gospel night. Yeah. I was looking ahead at the schedule. It looks like they've moved that coal miner Olympics to Wednesday night, and then it looked like they had on the schedule Saturday afternoon some gospel music. Good. So you can still look forward to that. But still have. Just kind of condensing
1: it down. Yeah, a into little
2: bit. down into four days there. Mm-hmm. So. Um, that's all I have to report on that. Back to you, Pete.
0: All right. Well, uh, you mentioned Dennis Dupree being the grand marshal. We just found that out this morning, as a matter of fact. Mm. And so we haven't got, you know, official information, a bio or anything. But uh, I do know that we can say that Dennis, uh, as far as I know, he's a lifelong resident of Wilson. Been there as long as I know. Yeah. Very well-known family, very well-known man. Uh, he uh, has been on the school board for a number of years. Mm-hmm. He's been on city council for a number of years. He was the service director for a time okay. in Wellston. Uh, his, uh, most of his family still lives in Wellston. Uh, one of his sons, Randy Dupree, mm-hmm. uh, is uh, the um, cele- or the legal advisor uh, for the city of Wellston and is a practicing attorney in Gallagher County, I think. Uh, and uh, Aaron Dupree Uh, One of these other sons is one of the assistant fire chiefs for the Wellston Fire Department and is also also on the Ohoko Society. And Dennis, I believe, has been and maybe still is a member of the Ohoko Society. Uh, And Dennis has also been a longtime member of the Wellston Fire Department. So uh, also been very active, uh, especially in previous years with the Republican Party and Republican Mm -hmm. politics in Wellston and in Jackson County. Very, very well-known man, Dennis Dupree, and a very good community person. So they, I can tell you this, they've made a good choice. Somebody who truly has their heart in well. Sure. In the community, uh, And has been active in many, many civic activities. I'm going to take my leave, Pete. We'll leave it to you guys. Okay. All all right. Well, thank you so much, Jeremiah, for everything. (laughs) We'll
1: miss you, buddy.
0: Uh, For the commentary (laughs) and the photos and uh, all the good work that you've been doing. Yes, for sure. All right, okay, uh, we're going to continue now with the news, and uh, once again, uh, got some things kind of on the crime front to tell you. Uh, most of these things have, were in our print edition of the paper this last Saturday, mm-hmm. so they're online, so if you haven't picked up a paper yet, you didn't receive a paper, um, go get one because there has been, a, lot, a lot, there has been yeah. lots of news. Uh, our lead story on uh, Saturday uh, came from the Jackson County Sheriff's Department. And, uh, you know, we talked about the, the alleged hate crime in Vinton County. And, you know, that's those things are very much on the national side. You know, you hear about these yeah. things occurring and uh, a lot of sensitivity nationally to that when they do. Sure. Uh, but another problem that you hear a lot about, and you have now for years, but it still continues to be a problem with all the uh, electronics, the phones, the computers, the social media, and that is... Uh, the traps that can occur with online relationships Uh, and that occurred here in Jackson County according to the Jackson County Sheriff's Department Uh, basically an Arizona man is facing felony charges now for trying to uh, not trying to uh, he actually connected with a Jackson area teenager and had an online relationship and showed up here in Jackson County to build on that online relationship.
1: And he's 27? He's
0: 27 years old. Do uh, they not
1: have girls in Arizona, uh, Pete?
0: Uh, I don't know. The Jackson area teen, uh, of course, was not identified. The age was not identified either. Uh, but uh, it uh, it ended up, uh, the, the man who is Cameron E. Tobert of Peoria, Arizona, there he is right there, uh, he actually flew to uh, Columbus and then came down here to Jackson um, very recently. And on this past Monday, a week ago, Monday on August 22nd, uh, Jackson County Sheriff Ted Frazier's deputies were notified that a man had fled from a bedroom window breaking it. The man was suspected to have had a sexual encounter with this juvenile who resides in the home. That was the teen that supposedly he had the online relationship. Okay. During the investigation, deputies were able to identify the suspect's vehicle. Then they were able to contact the Jackson High School staff the next day, August 23rd, said that they were looking for Tobert and uh that he had fled from the deputies the previous night where his presence was uh was uh, noted there at the victim's home. A short time later the staff reported that the, that the vehicle supposedly belonging, belonging to Tolbert had been seen in the parking lot, they were able to detain Tolbert in the parking lot and take him into custody without further incident.
1: At the school?
0: At the school, in the oh parking lot, apparently. He admitted that he had met with the juvenile online approximately six months ago. The pair communicated via social media platforms identified as Discord and Google Photos. He said he flew to Columbus Airport in the early morning hours of August 20th with the intent to come to Jackson to meet the teen in person. He also admitted to having sexual intercourse with this person. Now, um, the fact that you have uh, an alleged consensual relationship doesn't make it okay when you're 27 and the girl is underage. Uh, so, yeah. Exactly. You know, that that, that won't roll. So
1: again, he, do they not have girls in Arizona? Pete? I
0: I cannot tell you. Okay. He has been charged with unlawful sexual conduct with a minor, which is a third-degree felony. He may have faced additional charges after a review of the case by the Jackson County prosecutor's office. Ouch. He is currently in the Jackson County Correctional Facility and is supposed to have, by the way, a hearing this morning almost as we speak.
1: I'm kind of curious about this. Is there was there any indication that um, you know, that this is the first time that this fellow has done this? Or, or or is there a past record? Or was well, that it, talked we, we, about?
0: We didn't have that information. It, it, that would be something that uh, perhaps the authorities didn't know at the at the time that of the arrest and that this information was put out. It could be that they did not include that information. It just
1: kind of seems weird that this would be the only time that he's done something like that. But maybe he did. Right. Um,
0: could Could be, but... Uh, anyway, that was a, a interesting. Story. That was a story in our Saturday paper. Also in our Saturday paper, a crime of a different type,
2: mm-hmm. and
0: this is one that uh, where there just wasn't an arrest made and a charge. There was actual disposition in United States District Court. This occurred on Friday, and it involved uh, a, a local man, Jason Atkins, age 46. His address was listed as Jackson area. Uh, He was sentenced to nine years for being, for orchestrating what the United States District Court called a $50 million Ponzi scheme.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. And and, uh, they said that Mr. Atkins solicited victims from all over the country and the world from right here in Jackson County. Uh, According to court documents, this occurred over a seven-year period starting in 2012 and going all the way through 2018 said that Mr. Atkins conspired to solicit millions of dollars from investors under false pretenses, failed to invest the funds as promised, and misappropriated investors' funds for his own benefit and the benefit of others. Atkins and others claimed that they bought and sold oversized tires, commonly known as off-the-road tires, which are used on earth-moving equipment and or mining equipment. Investors were told... Their money would be used to buy the tires at a steep discount, and then the tires would, re- would be resold to a buyer at a much higher rate, and there would be profit for all those who yeah. had invested. Investors were promised a 15 to 20 percent rate of return on the investment within six months. Now, this obviously did not happen, at least for some of the investors. Um, in a, a, and Uh, As Ponzi schemes work, as pyramid schemes work, Atkins would sometimes pay the return on investment for the first transaction with new money that he had received. Sure. You know, so that's how how that works. In addition, Atkins and his co-conspirators employed a sham escrow account to falsely reassure investor victims that their money was safe until the tire deals were consummated. So, you know, that apparently bought him some time when people asked questions or had concerns about what was happening with their money. With his money, according to the United States District Court, this is not an allegation. They're saying this is facts. Mm -hmm. He bought cars, vacations, and property with the funds from the scheme. For example, he constructed a pool at his personal residence, and he also uh, spent more than $20,000 at one time to lease a private jet. So, I mean, this is something that you see on TV, or this is something in a a TV movie or something. (laughs) It is. But according to the United States District Court, this occurred um he failed to file individual income tax returns as well uh, surprise shocker. surprise and in 2013 specifically they said he earned 1.1 million dollars and should have paid 237 to the IRS
1: Oh, well, the IRS doesn't like that very much. No,
0: it doesn't. When they so, don't
1: get their take.
0: So, all that, uh, you know, most people don't know that these things are going on. Maybe some people are involved uh, as investors or whatever no. and they're concerned, but, you know, this obviously is more of a private matter at that point. But, uh, but I think that this investigation had been going on for some time, and this is just when the news came out. It kind yeah. of was consummated with a sentencing that occurred. Nine years is what Mr. Atkins got uh in the united states district court on friday uh news release was put out and we were able to get it in our saturday edition that story is also online Mm -hmm. all right uh, another story this crime story this comes from the jackson police department this one this one has not been in the paper yet but we're going to get it online for you do we Uh, have the video We don't have a video. We have a surveillance photo. Um, (laughs) No,
1: we got a video.
0: (laughs) Oh, we have a video. Oh,
1: this is good. Okay. And wham! (laughs) Oh, you weren't here, Pete.
0: Oh, no. I didn't see this.
1: Yeah, so... Okay. Yeah. So our the officer was our guest on the show the next day. Oh, Mr. Sizemore. <laughs> just, just, Mr. Sizemore, just by happenstance. So he brought that with him. So we played it about fifty-two thousand right. times. Well, I won't, <laughs> I won't
0: go into to that at all. But anyway, uh, the point is, uh, as a result of a traffic stop and things that happen after the traffic stop, uh, Justin Sizemore, patrolman. Yeah. Of course, the who's came, the
1: dumb dumb that ran the, from the, him? The, I guess. Okay. We well, didn't. We didn't talk he, about that. His, <laughs> we his just name
0: is. Um, his name is Sean Norman, age 32, no address listed, who possibly had a warrant out for his arrest. Uh, oh, Sean! And uh, let's see. Okay, I take that back. Mr. Norman was one of the suspects in the car who had a warrant, but mm-hmm. that was not the person who uh, oh, was okay. involved in the in the physical uh, in the physical uh, melee there with. Uh, with Justin Sizemore, that would be William Beach, who, uh, who uh, was taken into custody without, uh, without further incident. He has been charged with uh, first degree, he has been charged with obstructing official business, uh, resisting arrest, and felonious assault on a peace officer. And that last charge is a fourth degree felony. Uh, what they said was that uh, that Beach, who is 31 years old, started running after the police tried to detain him. Mm-hmm. Officer Sizemore was able to catch up the Beach in the middle of Bridge Street. You saw the video there and take him to the ground. Well, how- let's
1: just watch it again for again. Yeah, how, however, <laughs> how, how,
0: however, while he was trying to detain Beach, he was struck in the face twice yeah. because Beach did not go, according to the police, gently into the good night.
1: Uh, no, he did not. You
0: know when they say arrested without further incident?
1: Yeah, well, no, not there was this a further one. incident. Well, not to mention just the torn uniform. We got to see all the road rash of, of uh, uh, patrolman size more as well. So.
0: Right. And we remember that there was a, a Jackson's female police officer, Christina Thompson, mm-hmm. was involved uh, in an assault against her uh, several months ago. We we're going to follow up on that and see what happened. But yeah. I think there was the same charge that came out, assault on a police officer there as well. And that is, once again, a felony. Yes. you know Don't. I mean, if, they, if, if, if somebody hits me or hits you, it's one thing. If they hit an officer of the law, that's even more serious.
1: Yeah. It's not good.
0: Right. Okay. All right. Um, okay. This came out at the end of last week, too. We just happened to be looking at the High Department of Health website. And egads, Jackson County is ranked number one in Ohio for COVID-19 concentration.
1: Oh, no. Remember,
0: we had increasing COVID cases.
1: <laughs> no, we, had, we had
0: increasing COVID-19 cases crazy. during the summer, all right? And then I believe last week when we were on television, it had actually gone down a little bit. So, may, oh, it subsiding. But then apparently here in the next week, uh, it picked up quite a bit. Well, the I'll be
1: honest of, with you. I, I know numerous people that are home right now with it
0: Okay. personally. Well, according to the Ohio Department of Health, and this is fairly current, as of Thursday, August 25th, that's when they update their county by county totals. Jackson County ranked number 1 out of the state's 88 counties oh, for the highest per capita percentage of COVID-19. Not the number, raw number of cases because Jackson County is a lightly populated county compared to the city counties of course. But if you put it on a per capita basis, Jackson right. County is number 1. Oh. As a matter of fact, 326 cases uh the last 2 weeks out of a population of thirty-two thousand and fourteen, this means one one just a little over one thousand point eight cases per one hundred thousand residents in Jackson County. Man. So basically, one most one in one hundred in Jackson County had COVID nineteen last week. Is what that good? Great, to. that's
1: a lot.
0: Gallia County was next, and it was eight hundred ninety-six point four cases. So it's down quite a bit from Jackson County. And once again, this is curious, but we saw this when the pandemic was at its worst. You know, we looked at all the counties. The county that's at the bottom, again, is Holmes County, which is, has high Amish population Well, up there in eastern Ohio.
1: I feel like you can contribute that to a couple of things. I'm guessing they probably just don't test, you know, like, that, you that, know that, or that may, keep it amongst themselves. That, that
0: may very well be. And with uh, many of the cases, the great majority of the cases being fairly minor cases, you wonder how many COVID-19 cases there really are.
1: Cor- correct.
0: Right. And even with the numbers that we have documented. But um, according, to, uh, according to other stats that we have here, uh, Jackson County has 11 individuals who are hospitalized with COVID-19. Uh, that's up from the, the past. There, are, there was no new related COVID-19 deaths. But the hospitalizations, which were just like zero, one, two, mm-hmm. really kind of jumped up there last week. That's a lot, according to the high Department of Health. Now we asked Jackson County Health Commissioner Kevin Aston what's going on. When we called him, he had not seen the ODH's uh, stats at that time, and he was surprised. He knows that there's been more cases, but he was surprised about our ranking. Yeah, he said that uh, uh, that he feels that it has something to do. With, the, uh, with more cases in nursing homes uh, and just more, ca- uh, more cases in long-term care facilities. And just because uh, more people, uh, you know, this is certainly true, are relaxing. You know, true. very few people are wearing masks. Uh, if you were at the Jackson football game last Friday, you had 5,000 <laughs> plus people massed together for a football game. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And, of
0: course, school has started back up again, mm-hmm. is, which is, uh, you know, mass gatherings of yep. human beings as well so um, we will certainly watch this. Uh, Benton Benton County has more cases too but they rank 36th out of the 88 counties not nearly uh, as many Uh, but I guess the good news once again no new deaths uh, are uh, reported and I do know at least in one case on these nursing homes it's mainly staff members that Mm -hmm. are reporting COVID-19 cases and you know uh, I'm, I'm not sure what the rules are because you've read so many things, but my guess is they do regular testing in the nursing homes, uh, staff and residents both. Mm-hmm. And the reason that staff members are testing positive is because they're getting tested. Uh, they have to get tested or Which they're supposed to get tested. goes
1: back to what you you've just said, Pete, with it's like how many cases are there out there where people just don't say that they have it or, you know, don't. There's a there's a lot more cases than what are reported.
0: No, there, I think that I think that is safe to say, and uh, so the
1: numbers may or may not be accurate. Right. You know.
0: Right. And uh, according to uh, you know Kevin Aston you know he's saying some of the same things we heard him say when uh, you know the, the pandemic was at its worst. There was even more cases. There was more hospitalizations. There were some deaths. Uh, he says good hygienic practices, hand washing techniques, and social distancing are encouraged especially for those who have underlying health conditions or at high risk. Uh, Those that are sick are encouraged to isolate for five days or until their symptoms clear. Afterwards, it is encouraged to wear a mask for at least another five days to limit the spread. So, you know, all we can do is put this information out there uh, if you might be sick or if you have been sick. If you're feeling a
1: bit under the weather... Stay home.
0: Try to try to think of uh, try to think of other people. Yeah. Uh, I know we've all decided that you know uh, from the top down it looks like that you know we're living our lives, which we talked about the necessity of doing that. But it's still here, mm-hmm. so you know we do need to do need to be careful. All right, another story that broke towards the end of last week. Uh, this happened on Friday, uh, the same day we have a football game. Yeah. Uh, the Wellston Rockets hosting the Fairland Dragons, first home game of the season, second game of the, of the season, second game of the, of the whole season. We learned that the Wellston head football coach, Carl Justice, had resigned. So there he is right there. Uh, we tried to get confirmation of on that. On Friday? On Friday, uh,
1: Before the game or after the yeah, game? Yeah,
0: he, 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 he turned in his resignation on Friday, August 26th, and he made it effective immediately. He I don't know what form the message was in, an email, a note, or whatever, but I did talk to Superintendent Brian Rao personally, and he said he received a very brief message, no reason given that the football coach had resigned. Wow. No, remember, Mr. Justice had just been hired last May which was very late in the game, you know, when you have right. year-round, almost year-round training for football. Uh, he was hired uh, after Nolan Yates, who had been hired earlier in the year, uh, kind of late in the game too because, you know, there was a vacancy there for football coach. Mike Smith had left to go to another school. Um, Nolan Yates resigned uh, after he did not receive a teaching position that he expected to. Mm-hmm. He just didn't think it would work out personally for him. Yeah. And so Carl Justice was hired uh, as his replacement, and um uh he just turned in there was all sorts of things on social media you don't know what is true but officially officially he resigned of his own volition and he did not give a reason officially okay In in the official notice to the school officials which was received by the superintendent dan polson who was on carl justice's staff and has been the offensive coordinator he coached the team on friday night against fairland Okay. My guess is he will continue as the coach uh, since it's late in the game. Uh, well, they probably, I'm not expect them. They may hire him as the head coach or something, but I wouldn't expect a change regardless, or he may stay as the interim coach. There is a special meeting of the Wellston City Board of Education tonight. The superintendent said it was not called because of the football coaching situation. They have other things to do, but it certainly could come up.
1: I would say so. And uh... he did
0: not know for sure. <laughs> Uh, about whether Mr. Poulsen would remain as the interim coach throughout the year, but it would seem reasonable.
1: Yeah, for sure. Since
0: he's there and he's been, I guess, next in line. That
1: just has to be unfortunate for the kids, you know. That's, that's rough.
0: Yes, it cer- certainly, certainly is. Uh, the Rockets uh, kind of rebuilding anyway, lost some seniors from last year. Of course, lost their coach who was doing a good job. Uh, then they lost their new coach, and now you know they've lost their second new coach. So Yikes. it's been it's been a wild ride there for those kids and the fans of the Wellston yeah. Rockets. So uh, Thursday, uh, a good news business story out of Vinton County. Uh, Goodwill will be opening their new retail and training center uh, there um, on West Main Street, Route 50. The west end of town, very near Vinton County Mm -hmm. uh, High School. Yes. And uh, they're going to do a grand opening event on Thursday, September 1st. That's this Thursday at 9 a.m. Our Red Thompson will be there. And we have covered it on the front end that this was coming. There is a Goodwill location downtown in MacArthur Mm -hmm. now. But this will be a brand new building, a bigger building, a better building. Oh, where they can you know, not only do the retail that Goodyear is known for, but also do some training as well. Yes. Uh, our radio station will be up there to do a live remote, so we'll have coverage that way as, too. WKOV will be broadcasting between 11 a.m. and 1 p.m. Cool. The actual ribbon-cutting and grand opening will be at 9 a.m., and uh, they tell us that they will have some uh, new goods for sale there, including Halloween decor and accessories, and they are very excited because in addition to the retail, they will be providing day services to individuals with disabilities in a 3,000-square-foot area that is adjacent to the store itself. Hours for the new Goodwill store Uh, training center will be 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday and then 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. on Sunday, so they will be open seven days a week, and we will be there when they actually open. Nice. All right. And we do want to remind everybody, I'm not sure I talked about this on television, right? Have we talked about Deerland before. No. Okay. All right. Well, not on the air anyway. Let's, let's give you the full story. <laughs> uh, out there on Standpipe Road, there's a place called the Deerland RV Park. And it's been there for a long time. Yes. But ownership has changed. And the new owner is going to try to kick things up a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, get more business there, be more active. And um, the... It's Larry Henkel of Jeffersonville. That's, of course, over by Washington Courthouse. He is the new owner of Deerland RV Park, which is located at 974 Standpipe Road. And uh, he was familiar with the area, loved the camping facility there, and decided when the opportunity came to go uh, to, to buy it. And uh, it is a 65-acre wooded campground with 49 full hookup campsites and three furnished cottages. There's also a large fishing pond, uh, they have paddle boats, a small playground, a game room, and a reception hall. If you know, if you haven't been back in there for an event or to camp. <laughs> it's a it,
1: lovely space.
0: It, it, it truly is. And they are going to be offering daily, weekly, monthly, and seasonal rates. Uh, and uh, they are going to uh, have kind of a special event uh, on this Saturday, September 3rd, to celebrate the the new ownership. It will be from 6.30 uh, p.m. to 10.30 p.m. also on Saturday uh, WKOV will be there doing a live remote. They're going to have live entertainment on Sunday then from Salem's lot from six 30 to 10 30 PM. So, uh, kind of a celebration out there. There'll be a good chance to go out there and take a look, see, uh, mm-hmm. for, uh, you know, uh, for future business out there. i not sure that Deerland is going to do this, but they do have one larger building where sometimes events are held mm-hmm. and, uh, We'll have to see whether the new owners want to use it for that. Sometimes yep. as, as well, but once again, new ownership at Deerland RV Park just outside Jackson. Back here in Jackson, Rio Grande Community College has announced that Kristen Mershon will be the new director of the Jackson Center, and there is Kristen. And the Jackson Center, of course, is uh, located there uh, on East Main Street. Uh, there, in the same, uh, in the same. Uh, in the same center where Tri City Cinema is, it's right. on the other end. The bowling alley. <laughs> that is basically they call it the Jackson Center. It is basically a branch of the of the community college, making yes. it more convenient for local residents here in Jackson County, in particular, mm-hmm. to get some uh, college level classes and credits. And uh, Kristen has previously served in numerous roles at Rio Grande Community College. She started as a financial aid advisor then became one of the first student success coaches before accepting this new position as director of the Jackson Center. And so she's very excited uh, about the Jackson Center and and, uh, being the director. She wants prospective students to know that the Jackson Center is a smaller option where students can complete their general education requirements and even receive an associate's degree. So uh, you might want to check that out and good luck to Kristen Mershon over at the Jackson Center for the University of Rio Grande.
1: Absolutely.
0: All right. Uh, you know the election is still several months away, mm-hmm. but uh, you know they say Labor Day is the unofficial time where the politicking begins, uh-huh. and it, but, but it can be before that, as we all know. <laughs> but uh, uh, this was a little more casual and social than it was political. But the Jackson County Republican Party had what they called its party in the park uh, last Saturday. And they had a pretty nice turnout. It was a nice day, as you know, a little warm but sunny. They were there under the Rotary Shelter House, and uh, they were uh, Donnie Willis, who is the executive committee chairman, uh, invited uh, you know local candidates, local officials, and district and state officials to come. And he had a few did (coughs) a few did. They had free pulled pork. Uh, I don't think he even had to be a Republican to take advantage of it. I didn't. They didn't check your party uh, (laughs) registration at the door, but. Uh, they uh, had uh, pulled pork-free, free free popcorn, free hot dogs and beverages, and just a a nice kind of family style social event. Mm -hmm. But some of the people who came included state senate candidate Shane Wilkin. He's from Hillsborough. He's actually, if you're looking at the picture, he's standing on the far left uh, in the back row. And uh, his wife, Christy Wilkin, She's not a candidate, but she is a sitting appeals court judge in the fourth district. They're from Hillsboro. Mm-hmm. She's right in the middle. <clears throat> and those three, those two of those three young ladies in the red t-shirts to her left are her, two of her and Shane's daughters. Oh, okay. And there is a friend there as well. But other nice. folks that were there, you see Jackson County Recorder Krista Brown, mm-hmm. Jackson County Auditor Tiffany Ridgway, Brent Stepp, who is the central committee chairman in Jackson County on the end is Bonnie Ward who is the uh, 17th District uh, State Central Committee woman. Mm -hmm. Uh, And Then on the back row, you've got Jackson Mayor Randy Evans by Shane Wilkin. You've got Donnie Willis right there in the middle. He's a commissioner as well as uh, the Executive Committee Chairman for the Republican Party. You've got State Representative Jason Stevens. You have his wife, Julie Stevens, Mm -hmm. who is the representative for Congressman Bill Johnson. And then uh, I think I mentioned Bonnie Ward there standing Mm -hmm. in the back row on the end. Very, very nice event. The Republican Party had on Saturday, and we'll be hearing lots more, I'm sure, from both sides. There, uh, we don't have a lot of local races, Jennifer. Once again, if you remember what happened with our primaries and all, but we do have uh, contested races on at the state level, mm-hmm. including United States Senate, governor, uh, all the state level, uh, all the state level offices like Attorney General, Treasurer, Auditor, et cetera, uh, Secretary of State. Uh, you've got a contested race uh, for Congress uh, and also uh, for State Senate. Mm-hmm. So there'll be, there'll, be, there'll be lots going on. Uh, we'll say more about this later, but we wanted to say this ahead of time. This Wednesday is August 31st, and that is officially Shirley Rowland Day in the village of Colton. Shirley has been the utilities clerk and the court clerk for the village of Colton for 17 years. Uh-huh. And having covered some of those meetings before, you can't find a nicer and more confident person than Shirley Rowland. And Colton Mayor Kim Milliken wanted her to have her day. Because that that will be her last (laughs) official day. Elizabeth Compton has taken over uh, her job uh, for at least one of those jobs, maybe both, uh, and she is training with her now, and she will take over officially on September the 1st. All right. We already told you that the Wilson City Board of Education will be meeting tonight. Uh, It will take place at uh, 7.30 p.m., at the uh, district office, the administration office at One East Broadway, they're going to talk about employment of personnel, a pay schedule for sports officials, because they're hard to get, you got to pay them more now, mm-hmm. and a discussion of the facilities project, uh, because there's lots going on uh, with facilities uh, there at Wellston, uh, talk about where they are with that. And they are also going to have an executive session to discuss a personnel with likely no action to follow. Okay, we also want to let the public know that uh, there will be a mobile food pantry uh, tomorrow from 6 to 7 p.m. at the Franklin Township House on Camber Road. This is open to the public. Uh, Well, it's open. I shouldn't say that. It's open to the public if you're a Jackson County resident. It Uh is limited to Jackson County residents, and it's God's hands at work that is is doing it. And uh, so... Uh, this is at the Franklin Township House on Camber Road in Franklin Township, open to all Jackson County residents mm-hmm. tomorrow from 6 to 7 p.m. And our friend Cindy nice. Stifler, who does so much good work with the kids on the Apple City Players Program, yeah. she's going to do uh, the play that she wrote herself, Kid Kringle, in December. Yes. Well, they were going to have auditions at the end of last week. They postponed that, and the auditions are now scheduled for Tuesday, September sixth. So you still have time. To get involved okay. in that. That will be at the Marque Cultural Arts Center at 6.30 p.m. If you're interested in auditioning, uh, just show up there and okay. try out. And I believe that that play, which is a musical and a comedy, mm-hmm. will be held uh, in December there at the Marque. And I know we're going to hear more later. We're going to get with our man, James. There was a big event at the Marque this last Saturday. Yes. And that was the Evening with the Arts event. Uh, he was good enough to do the coverage for us uh and so we'll be having some information and photos in the paper but of course the evening with the arts goes way way back uh, in the history of the market years it was it was the main fundraiser barbara summers and maxine Plummer. maxine Plummer on the board barbara summers is executive director that sure they worked to get grants they were important couldn't have done it without it but they also raised a lot of local money yes they did and one of the big events, the big event that they had was that evening with the arts event, kind of a social coming out party. They had an art auction, uh, a lot of donated art from local and dist- and area artists. And they, they, that element was part of this new evening with the arts that they had yes. last Saturday, but it was done a little bit differently. Uh, some uh, performances, a couple, several different art auctions and like that, including one there in the evening. But we will hear more about that. But all the money that goes in there will keep the marquee running because it was one thing to build it, but now you've got to operate it.
3: Got to operate it. Did you have a good time, James? It was really awesome show. Uh, I mean, the highlight was definitely so the final show of the night was Jordan Lombardo's band. Yes, and like this is mostly a group of guys from Columbus, and then so Josh Willett and uh, Ryan Hurd, they played like their horns with them. Yeah, and so they did like the last you no, know, I don't know. 40 minutes or so it, I mean it they were really really good they were really fun good I really had a nice sneak
1: I had my own little private concert while did we were in there the, you, setting the beer up yeah, and you so they were go to the
3: sound check they were doing the sound yeah. check
1: when I was in there and they uh so I I like peeked in and it's yeah. <laughs> like you guys are awesome
3: yeah no they they were really really fun they really good. did a great job good but all the all all the acts were great but they were really definitely yeah a
0: lot of people came together for a good cause there yeah. the people who donated their time donated their art opened their wallets yes. to buy uh, art or just to participate because you know there was a fee to get in you got fed and everything yeah uh, oh my and, god. and a lot of entertainment
3: Jen you, you probably left when the when the people from the treatery showed oh, up oh no
1: they were setting that up um, while we were was setting the beer the up not
3: the best smell and I world. was like
1: Nicole I used to like you oh my god <laughs> Because it, the treatery came and did this huge spread of donuts, and they made like little strawberry shortcake things. Dude, it and it was next it level. Smelled like as soon as you walked in, it was just like,
3: oh. So I gotta amazing. tell. I can I, believe it. I gotta tell them myself in regards to that. Yeah. So there, there is you know there's there was a few donuts and stuff left over at the end of the night. So I grabbed one of those treatery boxes and you know snuck a few in there and take home with me and so i i have a cat that's very mischievous (laughs) and so i can't just leave a box of donuts on the uh, counter yeah so i put them in the oven to keep them away from the cat and i forgot they were in the oven (laughs) and i started heating up the oven to make dinner the next night oh no (laughs) and then i (laughs) and so i open up that (laughs) oven and i'm just Bam, burning cardboard, smelling my face. So I grab that box and pull it out real fast. And those things are all melted.
0: <laughs> oh, my. Okay.
1: What so does a baked what, what, donut what, what, taste what? like, James? So I,
3: was go- I think they're going to be fine. Uh, but I, did. I set them aside to let Double them cool cooked. off. But I haven't – I didn't get back around to t- tasting it yet. But I think it will be okay.
0: <laughs> okay. I was going to say, what a tragedy. <laughs> I
3: know. But, yeah, it ruined it's that, like donut abuse. Yeah, it ruined that delicious cream cheese icing they had on that pumpkin bread. Oh, Dude, man. Dude, this pumpkin bread, like, cupcakes they had oh. – we could do the whole show just talking about how good that dessert bar was. It was. No, I I agree. And
1: I'm like looking at Nicole. I'm like, why why are you here at the same yeah. time when I am? I, when open, sick and twisted. When thing.
3: I opened the door to walk in there, you open yeah. that door and just bam, donut yes. smell. I was like, oh my God. Yeah. That smells so good. So good. Anyway, Pete, on with the news. Oh, so all right. That's well, enough donuts. Okay. We, talk. Digress. All right, we digress. Yeah, we digress for to the donut, donut, donut baking. Talk. We'll
0: go to sports now. Okay. All right. Uh, of course, uh, another big high school football weekend this this past weekend. All four of our local teams uh, involved in Friday night games. And without a doubt, the biggest game in the area was right at Alumni Stadium. Oh, yes, it the was. The Jackson Ironmen and the Ironton Fighting Tigers. And the Ironton Fighting Tigers were behind most of the game, but they were ahead when it counted. And that was at the end. 29 to 26. uh, uh, Heartbreaking. That's the word. I know it's been used millions of times, but that is exactly what it was. I scored with one minute and six seconds to go. What
1: is it with these two teams playing?
0: Well, you know, (laughs) Arton is considered kind of like the primo team in the area. Jackson is close. Wheelersburg is close. Others can be. So two years in a row, Jackson has lost on almost the last play of the game to Ironton. Last year, it was the last play of the game, that long yeah. kickoff return. This year, they scored the last touchdown with 106 to go. Jackson got the ball, one last chance, got down to the Ironton 18 yard line, was able to throw a pass into the end zone. Well, the wrong guy caught it.
1: Oh, so, man.
0: So uh, it ends up 29 to 26. I will say this also. I mean, it was a great game. Uh, and, and, you know, it's just if you were a fan, you know, someone's going to be sad. There were a lot of sad sure. people from Jackson. But it's the it's maybe the biggest crowd I've seen there in more than ten years. I mean, nice. it was it was truly packed there at Jackson High School. I know the band people ran out of ran out of breadsticks in the third quarter, and it, was it was, it was it was that kind of it was that kind of
3: night. You, but you guys know where Matt McKee lives? There across from mm-hmm. the middle school. He said it took him an hour to get home. Oh my. To give you an idea of how Yikes. big that crowd
0: was. Yeah. Right. And, and we're one of the last ones to leave. And and uh, <laughs> well, I went out the Burlington Road exit, which mm-hmm. is kind of like a secondary exit. And so it wasn't bad. And that was still, we were one of the last ones to leave. And there were still some cars leaving then. There was a line an hour after the game to still get out of the stadium. And when I, let, when I went to the stadium at 5.15, which is very early, it was a line to get in then. Wow. And part of it, a small part of it was, because it was also senior we'll night senior for night. all the football yeah. players, cheerleaders, and that huge band. Mm-hmm. So anyway, other scores from the weekend: uh, Piketon over Oak Hill, twenty-six to seven; Fairland over Wellston forty-seven to seven. And this had to be a heartbreaker too. Vinton County loses in overtime to Rock Hill, twenty-one to twenty. Oh man! All right. One of the nice things that we want to say uh, was that the they that in the pregame up there uh, at Wellston, they had the hall of fame night. Okay. And three outstanding athletes were inducted into the hall of fame in pregame ceremonies. They were Thomas Mays from the class of 2003, Brianna hall from the class of 2010 and Mike Johnson from the class of 1975. And if you're, if you're looking at the, uh, you're looking at the picture there, Uh, Of course, you've got Athletic Director Jeff Hendershot. Then you have the inductees, Thomas Mays, Brianna Hall, and Mike Johnson. And there on the end is uh, School Board President Terry Gill. Uh, But I want to tell you just a little bit about each inductee because they certainly earned it. Sure. Uh, Thomas Mays from the class of 2003, he was a standout running back and linebacker uh, in two years when they won the championship in Wilson, the TVZ, Ohio championship. He ran for a total of 3,277 yards as a running back. Wow. That is second in school history. That's a lot. Right, exactly. Brianna starred in both volleyball and softball, led her all four years in both sports. Uh, In softball, she helped lead the Rockets to a TVC and sectional tournament championship in both 2007 and 2008. She had 15 career home runs, which at the time was a school record. Mike Johnson lettered in football, wrestling, and track and field. But his greatest distinction was as a middle distance runner. Uh, he ran an event called the 880-yard run, which is like the 800 meters mm-hmm. now because we've gone from uh, yards to meters. Yep. But he finished fourth place in the state track meet in 1975 oh, cool. at Wellston. He established school records and an SEOL record because Wellston was in the SEOL back then. And uh, his record in the 880... Uh, when it translates to the 800 meter still stands, uh, at Wellston, his, uh, his record is still a school record and, uh, his, uh, fourth place finish in the state track meet is better is the best finish in the state track meet of any Wellston high school trackster in the school's history. So obviously those three nice. are very, very deserving. Congratulations, uh, to all of them.
3: Hey, one more note, Pete, I want to add about the Friday night football is all those The radio broadcast from all four games is available on our podcast feed, so you can go back and listen to them anytime you want.
1: Oh, cool! Yeah. All right. Well, good point. Well,
3: you know, people who would among
0: the people who would be most interested in the broadcast are ones who are participating. Sure. So I think that would be a good thing, and you know, if you're a parent uh, and you and you want to hear the game again because you know you witnessed it but you didn't necessarily hear it. Uh, you can relive it again so so that is a very nice feature that we've developed here at total media
1: you got it all right all right well thank you pete and of course jeremiah for stopping by and uh james for the little marquee update and uh we'll again be showing you more pictures and stuff from the evening with the arts uh later on this week so we look forward to that all right have a great day everyone um We will be back here tomorrow and we'll party on. So thanks for watching. We'll see you then. Bye.